Welcome to Real Estate with Reshma in Canada with your host, Reshma Sheikh, your mortgage agent, with a mission to help you retire with at least $100,000 of passive income. Each episode features candid conversations with industry experts and real estate investors, revealing the financial strategies that have set them apart and how they are achieving their retirement goals. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Donny. How are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal, Reshma. Excited to be here. Thank you. Of course. Would you mind in introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Donovan Taylor. I'm 24 years old and I'm a full-time day trader and keynote speaker. So that's the space I've been kind of working in now for going on six years. And yeah, excited to, to be on your podcast. I know that this is a primarily a real estate focused podcast, which is exciting. Seeing as, you know, of course, that's kind of one of my next stepping stones and in transitioning into the real estate space with investments. So excited to, excited to be here and have a a great conversation. I know that's why I, I kind of invited you because you are in uh, trading and stock space, and uh, I want to kind of take your note on why you are shifting into real estate or mm -hmm. like why you were planning to invest in real estate. So before I uh, dive into those questions, I want to know how you started in your journey as a as a keynote speaker or as a full time trader. Yeah, so it's actually crazy. So. My entrepreneurial journey has been um, has been wild to to say the least. So I started before we even you know dive into kind of how entrepreneurship came into the picture. A bit more backstory of myself personally. So growing up, I was raised with uh, you know obviously two parents, loving parents, really grateful for both my mom and my dad. And uh, over the summers, my my mom would put me into camp programs. So summer camp. So that she could, you know, do her thing around around the house. She actually worked in the school system, so she had summers off, and so that was something that really led into leadership skill down the line because it went from me being a camper to then volunteering at camps to then actually working with the city, uh, city of Kitchener here, and 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 the children and youth programs that they have here for summers and before and after school programs and stuff like that. And so that experience in camp growing up was great because I was able to have good social skills. Uh, and then it led into great opportunity as well with the volunteer work. You know, I did this program called leadership, or it was like the LIT program, leadership and training or like leader and training program when I was in grade seven and eight. Uh, and that led into the opportunity of actually working in a camp setting. So in a camp setting, you're at the front of the room leading activities like dodgeball. You're leading different team building activities with the kids and youth that are there. Uh, and so that was kind of like the starting point of leadership for me and, and speaking as a whole. Um, and then that transition, and it was a very transferable skill to, of course, you know, the keynote speaking that I'm doing now and, and, and trainings kind of fit into there as well. But yeah, so I worked with children and youth for, for quite some time. I was an inclusion support worker for a couple of years, which is someone who works one-to-one -one with kids and youth with special needs, autism, Down syndrome, uh, things of that nature. So it was super rewarding work, challenging work, but super rewarding. And yeah, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, that was kind of like a, a good chunk of my kind of growing up in high school experience. And then coming out of high school, I was introduced to the world of investing. You know, I saw a lot of people in the, the, the world of crypto specifically. This is actually how I started was in the world of crypto. I saw a lot of people in 2017 and 2018 
doing extremely well in the space. And so that was kind of my inspiration to get involved. You know, hey, if other people around my age are in this space and doing well, buying Lamborghinis and all these crazy things, I, why can't I do it, right? That kind of mentality. And so I started in the trading space, fell on my face pretty hard the first two years, learned a lot of things the hard way, was scammed a number of different times, lost about $20,000 my first two years in the space and uh, stuck it out. You know, I saw the vision, saw the beauty of just entrepreneurship and, and, and online entrepreneurship specifically, finding a skill that you can, you know, do online and not have uh, as much of a location limitation, a little bit more location freedom with a high income skill like that online. So that was kind of my motivating factor to, to stick with it. And then, yeah, over time, as I was learning more, as I was connected with the right people and the right, uh, you know, network, was able to, to become profitable, started teaching in the space, started started kind of sharing everything that I learned over that you know period of time and sharing with people that were just kind of starting out brand new. What I wish I had when I first started is kind of what I was starting to to, to share with with other people starting off, you know, fresh off the boat, so to speak. And yeah, from there it's it's just transpired into numerous different keynote speaking engagements and opportunities. So, yeah, honestly, grateful. It's it's been a, a really cool journey and an experience. And I know speaking is one of those things that it's like the number one fear. You know, like people would rather drown before keynote speaking. You know, and it's it's wow. But it's cool to to meet someone like yourself, Rishma, too, and other people in the space that are like passionate and open and see the value in in, in speaking. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a, a little little bit about me, a little bit about me and and the journey. I can say that you're a very good speaker, like. Uh especially like your story is very powerful and uh, the challenges and the adversities you have gone through and uh, early on in your career uh, when you got um, started trading you've had like uh, some uh, bad um, you know situations and you navigated through them and uh, you have grown this far mm -hmm. i wanted to like uh, ask you this question so a lot of people have this misconception about uh, in the trading industry in your industry especially they see this lamborghinis they all think that uh, it's a quick money now you are at a position where you have a huge network and you have a few of those friends yourself do you think they had that quick money or do you think they hustled so hard so the, i think the reality in business as a whole but definitely especially in in the in the world of investing there's this huge misconception of what it actually takes to be successful. You know, they don't see the behind the scenes, behind closed doors, grind and, and effort and time that's invested. And then it goes into a craft like that to, to see success over time. And so, yeah, it's for me, it was starting out seeing the, the fancy cars and every, everything that people were seeing as a result of just the state of the market in, in 2016, 2017, leading into 2018 was it definitely gave me the wrong expectations in, in starting out. You know, I came in expecting one thing and then got something totally different. Right. Yeah. And in the world of investing as a whole, and obviously, uh, you know, I'm interested to hear your take with, with real estate investing too, being that that's your, your specialty or specialty, if you will, is it takes time. It's progressive. It's not meant to be an overnight thing. It's meant to be more of a long-term game. It's almost like that 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 story that we hear growing up, the tortoise versus the hare, right? Tortoise and the hare story, you yeah. know? And, and so, yeah, I think for me, 
coming in definitely had the wrong expectations. And that's one of the first things that I always plant as a seed with people that I work with now is like, hey, this is something that you're going to work on and grow through progressively over time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a year. It might not happen in two years, five years. You know, this is something that for me, it took like four years to really start to be living the life that I had envisioned for the four years leading up to that point, you know, so. Yeah. And uh, even in real estate, uh, when someone is uh, especially um, investing actively, uh, like for the outsiders, it kind of looks like the returns are huge. They made like 150 grand, 200 grand. They have millions of dollars of portfolio, but behind the scenes, to get that one good deal, you need to analyze like, I don't know, at least 100 to 200 mm. deals. Like you need to be good at a point where you should be able to analyze a deal in two minutes. Like that's a skill you need, like someone has to develop. And uh, it's just like, you need to analyze deals like one after the other and it takes time. It's also, if you do a wrong analysis, you just lose 60, 70 grand easily. It's also mm. the risk level involved, right? Especially in real estate. And um, yeah, so I want to ask about uh, why you want to invest in real estate instead of stock market. Mm, yeah, great question. So my exposure in the markets primarily has been crypto, foreign exchange, commodities, things like gold and silver, and a little bit of stock exposure as well. But the intention for me even starting investing at the age of 18, coming out of high school, was with real estate in mind. Real estate is one of those things that's not going anywhere. It's, yeah, there's speculation, but it's not like crypto speculation where it's like, we don't even know if this thing's going to be here in a couple of years, right? Real estate's always going to be here. There's always demand for real estate. And so starting in the investment space, that was like already in the back of my mind, like, wow, I can create a portfolio over time. I didn't have the capital yet involved in real estate at 18 years old with, you know, just a little bit of savings, right? But I did have some money to invest. And so I did. And uh, yeah, so now it's it's really how can I create more cash flow for myself? And and from my due diligence that I've been doing recently and an interesting conversation that I've shared with you and a few others in the real estate space, there is opportunity, lucrative opportunity to create cash flow with real estate as long as you know what you're doing. And so that for me has been the motivating factor behind this year, specifically 2023, being a year of me kind of filling my cup so to speak, with real estate insights and with real estate knowledge to be able to, in the in the very near future, start to get exposure in the real estate space. And you know, as they say, right, how many streams of income does the average millionaire have? Like five to seven. So with investments, there are a lot of different ways you can start to create cash flow and income streams. And so real estate is one of the most lucrative and it's untapped for, for me, at least as of right now. So that's one of the reasons why I'm looking to expand into real estate. That's amazing. I'm glad you said that uh, uh, average millionaire has like five to six uh, in income streams. But to become a millionaire, you need to double down on the things you are you are actually good at, right? And mm. people kind of forget that. Like uh, even you, right now you are very involved. Like you are an industry expert in your industry, and uh, you are doubling down on those things. And uh, whatever income you are earning from you, you know, use real estate as a vehicle. You truly built wealth in your lifetime is through real estate. You can mm -hmm. have other sorts of income, like other passive income streams, but to 
true wealth uh, which you can pass down to your generations is through real estate that's what i think and uh, so i want to ask you uh what is what are you thinking in terms of uh, your first step in real estate are you going to buy your primary mhm yeah great question there's a couple of things that i've been combing through in terms of options and i would really be open to hearing what you would suggest you know because i'm sure there's people listening in right now that would be curious as to you know hey if if i'm in a position where i don't own any property right now what makes the most sense for my first step and mm-hmm. obviously it's different for everybody but for me what i've kind of been combing through and working through is options and like i said really interested to hear your your response on this and your take and what you would recommend for me personally and just my situation would be yeah you know there's the option of of buying a, pr- a primary residence and and maybe house hacking with that right that's one one thing that i've considered um but also even just more of a hands off approach where i can leverage an expert in the space that knows what they're doing has the track record has the credibility i can kind of just lean on them and bring forth some capital and be like hey right now i'm going to be you know digital nomading living all over the world that's kind of my plan going into 2024 so i'm not going to have a primary residence but while i'm doing this i would be interested in creating some cash flow for myself with investment properties and so what would make sense is probably leaning on someone who has that experience and even if it means sacrificing a little bit of the return because i'm not as actively involved i think that there's a lot of a lot of opportunity there but yeah i guess i guess from from your experience and and for someone like myself who's you know coming more so with the capital and and ready to to get involved in the space what direction would you say to go in so when uh let me ask you a question so mm-hmm. you said you're going to be traveling uh when you're traveling you're always going to come back to ontario and then you'll keep on traveling like let's say uh in the next year uh you'll come back and once uh once a month you come back and then you go back and forth is that uh how your lifestyle looks like i would say for sure once every 6 months at the very least because i have to in order to to remain a citizen of of canada i believe you can't be outside of canada for more than 6 months otherwise you lose your residency mm-hmm. but there might be instances where i'm gone for you know 3 4 months before coming back to canada kind of thing so that that would be kind of where i'm at as of as of right now uh and kind of the, the plan over the next couple of years is to to be kind of that digital digital nomad lifestyle but yeah what would you suggest in in that case so you mentioned that the uh, house hacking right mm-hmm. like uh, obviously like i love how house hacking because uh single family especially for cash flow it's gone the days are gone where single family cash flows uh, mm-hmm. there's no point of investing in single family anymore uh, in your scenario but uh, if you can uh, buy a potentially a duplex or a triplex or even a single family with a basement unit and the house hack it but since you will be traveling the or the way uh, you make one unit as a long term tenant but the other unit you kind of keep for you mm-hmm. and uh, you can uh, stay there when you're back to your back to canada but uh, during the time of your traveling you can put it on airbnb right mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. so if you put it on airbnb or even mid term rental like fully furnished rental so what happens is uh, the cash flow is huge there but uh, also at the same time it could become little active right because uh, in in that case uh, you might have to like um, message the guest and things mm-hmm. like that but 
even like i don't want, want to do that as well what you can what you can do is you can hire like a property manager but uh, they would charge uh, like a 20% uh, of the income of your airbnb income mm-hmm. and also it really depends on the airbnb location as well right for sure uh, so if you want to keep that in mind so you need to make sure that you tell your realtor hey this is my plan but ultimately like uh, it looks like that in 2024 you just don't know in 2025 right and mm-hmm. also you need home to come back True. and also you have Absolutely. family here so that is one option like either you can do use that one unit uh, where you are going to stay when you're traveling as uh, while you are traveling use it as a airbnb or even a midterm rental so that you can uh, it's not vacant it's giving you that cash flow right Brilliant. and um, in you can even like message uh, message the guests like there is like scheduled uh, messages like you can even automate a level of automation in those messages and uh, having a good cleaner like mm-hmm. you have like two three cleaners backup cleaners and uh, have a good handyman you can backup handyman so that uh, also they take care of things for you and you uh, you maintain that connection with them and they just take care of things for you so that's one suggestion mm-hmm. or yes you can uh, invest passively in um, like uh, other people's project where you get returns mm-hmm. but uh, so there are two ways you can invest uh, in other people's projects either you can do it uh, as a private lender right you become the private lender and um, you can get returns anywhere from uh, 15 to 25% depending on the deal and that way you you know generate cash flow mm-hmm. or the other one is uh, as a uh, capital like you get uh, you get you get a percentage of the asset itself like uh, depending on how much funds you are bringing on you become that uh, capital investor makes sense so, in that case the cash flow you you have the asset right like you get the percentage of the asset but the cash flow might it's not not be. really there yeah no, not really there the cash flow no you're you're still getting an asset but uh, it's only a percentage of it mm-hmm. uh, there's a you're you're giving at least like 50% of that asset to the active investor and uh, at this point and also as a first time home buyer you you can also utilize those uh, incentives the, the benefits yeah. yeah the go- the government gives and i don't want you to miss that as well mm-hmm. so i would highly suggest uh, investing into that house hacking uh, property mm-hmm. uh, especially multifamily with where you can uh, put tenants because those rental income that rental income will help you even qualify for more in more right Let, let's Makes say you're sense. qualifying for $500,000 for a single family if you are buying like a duplex or a triplex there is a high chance that you might qualify for 600 or 700k depending on that rental income right mm-hmm. so uh yeah like multifamily all day long and it doesn't have to be like a huge apartment building even like four four units or six units like start small where you can still manage very passively and also get a property manager if you don't know how to manage all day get a good property manager i have a nice contacts like um it's also really important in real estate 
to have the connections, right? That's huge. Connections yeah. and network is very important. You might not know all the trade people, but someone like me knows everybody in the city, right? Yeah. So I can give you those contacts. Like literally in the past two weeks, like I have had like clients or like friends reach out to me for paralegals, contractors, handymans, and uh, even lawyers. Like I give them, I you know, I directly refer them to trusted uh, trade people, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the beauties about networking and coming to events is, I mean, that's how we met was yeah. that. And so that is that's super insightful. I appreciate you for the insights on that. And I think the route of house hacking, it, it makes sense. Like you said, it's a place for me to come back to, you know, I don't have to necessarily crash anywhere else. I can just come back to that space and have it on Airbnb for the rest of the time. I can know specifically when I'm going to be back in the area, when I'm going to be traveling again. So I can set all that up with the Airbnb from my, my side of the property. And I think that's brilliant. I think the cash flow there is, is much better versus obviously the passive route where it's like investment, but then I got to wait for the project to finish before it actually cash. It's not even necessarily going to cash flow at all. It's just going to be a return. Right. And so, I mean, I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely pros and cons to both, but I think based on cash flow being one of the things that I'm wanting with real estate, that multifamily route and, and house hacking makes, makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. Especially in the, in terms of cash flow, if you are an equity partner, uh, in a bigger project, I don't see cash flow. Yes, the returns are huge, but you're going to get it two, three years from now, uh, especially when you exit the project. I'm connected with more and more people in the GTA as well in the real estate space. So I think that is huge. You know, anybody listening here, obviously you can consider the, the two different routes based on your situation if you relate to kind of my situation. But I think above all else is 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 having the right connections, right? Connections are are, are huge because without those connections, you, you, you know, we wouldn't be on this call and, and you sharing these insights and I, I wouldn't necessarily have a direction to, to move forward with that makes sense. But just as a result of that conversation, you know, there's a lot more clarity. And, and I think that's, I mean, probably the route that I'm going to go, to be honest with you, based on just, just the insights that you've shared here. Yeah. And uh, that's one option. I do have a other option where you can invest in a pre-con right now. Well, yes, the pre-con market is like, not so doing not so great but uh pre-cons like uh, especially if you invest in gta with uh, there is like if you invest in a project which is closing in 2027 or 2028 there is going to be natural appreciation makes sense so, yeah depending on the deposit structure you don't and uh, you don't have the burden of qualifying right now right you can just uh have like a 10 percent or 15 percent deposit structure which is paid over the one or two years and um, and the project closes like four or five years from now, you'll have a natural, especially like when you're buying a pre-con, you should go into the project with the intention of closing it and mm -hmm. also buy, buying and holding it. But uh, there's an other option of assigning as well, right? So that's also where you can make some uh, money. Like I've seen people making 100, 200 grand there. Mm -hmm. uh, on the project and the builder but you need to be like really careful uh you shouldn't go into the project thinking that yes i'm gonna flip it or i'm gonna assign it you need to be able to in a position where you might have to close it mm -hmm. because uh, in real estate you make you make money when you hold it for longer makes sense yeah so what, what would you what would you suggest because i know that 
you know, we see people that are like house flipping and, and house, uh, uh, wholesaling in the States is, you know, something we see a lot of people doing and for just kind of piggybacking off the point that you made there about real estate being more of a long-term play. Do you think that there's like a misconception with the, the idea of flipping being a realistic, a uh, realistic way for, for people to get involved or like, how do you feel about the whole idea of flipping as a whole and, and that kind of route? Real estate flipping is a skill, Donnie, ultimately like, uh, the skill is not in the flipping itself, but in the, in the beginning process where you get the deal, where you analyze the deal. And, uh, so, okay, let's say you are, you want to flip a house. Great. Like that's your intention. Now, the first step you do, you take is now I need a, I need a, I need a house to flip. Right. Mm -hmm. So what kind of house do you buy? Do you buy, you have to buy like a distressed property or a property under way below market. So there are few, there are only certain uh, criteria of properties, which are very good for flips. Right. And, uh, the second one is you need to buy the property at a, at a below market value. So especially in the flipping, the money is in the buy. So you need to buy the property at the right price. So when you want to buy a property in the right price, you need to negotiate mm -hmm. in the right way, right? Mm -hmm. So most of the time in real estate, you're solving problems. Mm -hmm. You're solving other people's problems. So when the end user, the seller, if they're willing to sell a property at a discounted price, that means there's a problem. Mm. Otherwise, why would they want to sell at a discounted price? Makes sense. Right? So first, you should be in a position to solve the seller's problem. And uh, most of the investors like who are flipping, they take these properties as is conditions. There's, there are also conditions in the APS, like you can leave all the junk in the house. Don't worry about it. Like we, there is no inspection. You just don't know what will happen once you start breaking those walls. Mm -hmm. I right? remember seeing growing up, my, my mom used to love watching like these real estate shows. It's like these two brothers that would go and you know buy houses as is, do work on them. And then I think it's property brothers. I don't know. Yeah. If, I, I think that's the name of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny. She used to like hit on the property brothers. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> partly watching it because they're handsome guys, but also like just enjoyed watching the material too. It's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the mom one time. But um, yeah, she would watch these and sometimes I would watch them with her and, and they're going through to, to flip one of these properties and then they run into so many different unexpected like blindsiding issues yeah. and then from those issues you have to be able to adapt in order to really you know move forward with the project and if you can't especially for someone like me like if i this is why flipping is not even a part not even on my radar screen as an option anymore is because i don't have the skill yeah there's people that have the skill and that i could lean on for it but still it's 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 almost more of a risk that i wouldn't be willing to take than you know, buying multifamily and, and house hacking or as just a, a stepping stone into real estate. And then if I want to get crazier with it and, and expand, I can't, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting that you share that insight. And I think it's just like, yeah, it's just, just like you said, it's a skill. It's a skill that takes time to develop. And for someone like me, who's 
busy, just like, just like you and just like a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, like, is that a skill that you're willing to put the time and energy into learning and, and experience is really where, how you learn. It's not like you can read up on, you know, you, you can read up on flipping, but it's more an experience thing than anything, just based on some of the different things that can come about with, with properties that you're looking to flip. That's funny you say it's a reading skill, but it's more a people skill. You are negotiating, you are talking with people, like ultimately it's a people's business. If you don't have those skills, it's going to be very hard. And uh, also, uh, they don't realize the amount of uh, time it takes to find that right property and get it under contract. And... um, even before getting it under contract, they spend uh, there's a they, they spend some capital on it, like mm-hmm. the inspection or the time itself, right? And uh, so, okay, now you bought the property, uh, you bought a distressed property. Even before buying the property, you should be able to know how much it cost you to do that renovation, to do mm-hmm. the turnover for this. It could be like two hundred grand. It could be three hundred grand, depending on the project itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is also a wiggle room. Like if you're if you're saying it's it's gonna cost you two hundred grand, you, you need to just add another twenty five percent just as a mm-hmm. wiggle room. Mm-hmm. And uh, after like the renovations are done, there is something called after repair value. You need to know this after repair value when buying the house. Makes sense. You need to know the exit at the beginning, and uh, that's kind of like you need to have that skill like you need to understand the market you need to understand the numbers for it and uh and also as you said it's very risky because if you lose you lose hundreds of thousands mm. of dollars. it's just uh it's just the reality with flips and wholesaling mm-hmm. yeah definitely no that makes sense that makes it's definitely it is a way you can go about doing it and there are people that see success with it but just in terms of what makes the most sense for the average investor it's probably not the the best way to to go (laughs) exactly and uh so you are like again from from your stock space uh or like in trading space Mm -hmm. so you know how money works right Mm -hmm. now we are in a period or economy where we are going into recession right so what do you suggest people in this economy uh, like what do you, what are your predictions and what are your suggestions like in the next one to two years what do you think is going to happen to our economy mm, yeah that's a good question so i don't have a crystal ball i wish i did you know it's just, it's just take a look at my crystal <laughs> ball and see what's going to happen if only we we as investors had that right or a time machine where you could like go back in time and position yourself accordingly now that you've lived through what's happened right if only but i would say with with a high level of conviction that we're we're on the precipice of a shift with the system. The monetary system is something that I've studied in depth since 2019, you know, reading books like uh, currency wars uh, by, by James Rickards, you know, reading up on, on just understanding the monetary system as a whole, I think is something that's really immensely valuable and it's immensely misunderstood. You know, the monetary system, a lot, a lot of people don't have, a grasp on how money works. You know, money is not what it used to be. My one of my favorite uh, analogies is of what money used to be is used to be like a coat check, where the paper money or the plastic bills that we use now in in Canada represent something of value at a bank. You know, we used to use gold and silver 
as money and then it wasn't convenient to be carrying around these gold and silver coins or bars so instead we had these bills that were created to represent the product at the bank that's very similar to a coat check you're at a bar you're at the club you give them your coat they give you a receipt and that receipt is what represents the coat same kind of situation with the 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 banking system and the monetary system this is how it used to be and then everything changed when in uh, in 1971 the states cut that cord on backed you know the dollar from from gold and since then we've been living in this this inflationary system that is not sustainable longer term and if you look back at history it's it's something that history definitely repeats itself you know and it's something that i do believe over the i don't know about one to two years but at some point there has to be a change with the system Um, and so with that being said what i've been personally positioning myself in a lot uh, over the past couple of years and and in moving forward has been precious metals so gold, silver, I'm actually a precious metals broker as well. So I deal with uh, gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, vault storage, or delivered product, whatever clients are looking for. So that's something that I do and that I've been accumulating now for quite some time. And then in addition to that, do what you will with this, You know, take what resonates, leave what doesn't, uh, crypto. And I think blockchain technology, which is the underlying value for cryptocurrency as a whole is solving a lot of real world problems. And actually a lot of the problems that we have with the monetary system today, cryptocurrency has an opportunity to potentially solve those, those issues. And so with something like Bitcoin, which is a deflationary asset, there's a finite number. It's allowed for global transacting at a very small cost. You think about wire transferring, let's say you had six figures, you wanted to wire transfer that to somebody you're paying anywhere from two to 5%, depending on your, your bank. And that's two to $5,000 just for a hundred thousand dollar transact uh, transaction. The cryptocurrency space, you're, you're paying pennies on the dollar in comparison. It's, it's very minuscule, the transaction fees, and you can send that globally. I mean, if I wanted to send money to, to China today, I could, you know, and, 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 uh, so in terms of investment, yeah, you know, a lot of my longer term positions and kind of next one to two year positions have been in crypto and, and precious metal. And like uh, you can buy to buy a precious metals, all you need is money. You don't have to have actually a skill. But for crypto, do you think someone who is investing needs to have certain level of education or skill to do that? Yeah, I mean, ideally, you would want to have a certain level of of understanding with precious metals as well before buying. Um, obviously the coins and bars are cool to, to have and they, they act as a, as a store of value, but you're right. There's definitely more of a learning curve with the cryptocurrency space. You got to learn how to set up a, 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 an online wallet, a digital wallet, if you will. Um, you got to understand you know, how to transact in the cryptocurrency space and, and what to look out for you know, so you don't fall victim to scams like I did my first couple of years. And, and I mean, I have, a lot of material on all of that stuff as well. So if people are looking for resources, of course they can connect with me and, and there's all kinds of stuff on my YouTube and, and Instagram in, in regards to that. But I think it's worth the time spent because it is very, fairly minuscule time, you know, that you would need to, to spend just to learn the basics. And from that understanding of the basics, you can, you can do a lot of passive investing. I always, you know, encourage clients to dollar cost average. You know, for me starting out, I wanted to be able to catch the bottom of the market and the top of the market. And it's just not realistic. You know, as any investor, you could be the best investor in the world. You could be Warren Buffett. 
who's one of the wealthiest and, and most well-known investors in, in the world. And you still won't be able to catch the very bottom and the very top of any market and any move. So the best course of action for, for myself personally, what I've implemented and, and what I encourage people to consider is dollar cost averaging. If you're working a job or you have cash flowing in on a consistent basis, what can you reasonably set aside to invest in, in whatever it is? It doesn't matter what it is. But instead of buying in, let's say you have $10,000, instead of taking that 10000 and buying today's price, whatever it is, want to spread that out 1000 bucks over 10 months. You're going to average your way in. If the market goes up, great. If the market goes down, great. Now you can buy at a lower price and you can spread that capital out more over time. And so I think with the foundational understanding and executing on a plan like that over the next two years, there's lucrative opportunity for those of you that are looking for some homework and things to look into with crypto. Every four years, there's something called a halving for Bitcoin. Just so happens that next year is the, the next Bitcoin halving in 2024. April roughly of 2024 is when we're going to be seeing the next halving. And historically speaking, the data is there. You can take a look at the data. Every time we've seen a halving cycle, that's when we've seen the market go absolutely crazy. 2020, 2021, the world was shut down. Things were going crazy. Bitcoin halving took place. All of crypto was booming in 2021 as a result of that. If you look back at the previous cycle, 2016, halving took place. Later half of 2016, 2017, crypto was booming. So not financial advice, do your own research, but there is definitely some opportunity in, in, in that space as well as, uh, of course, precious metals as a hedge against the inflationary system that we're, that we're living in and experiencing right now. So I'll mark my calendar in April 2024 because I have my Dogecoin and it's not doing very good. I want to see what it's going to do in April. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I uh, wouldn't vouch for, for something like Dogecoin, but uh, there's definitely some sound cryptos to, to invest in for sure. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Chainlink, these are a few that, uh, that I've been accumulating amongst others, but uh, yeah. You know how I got my Dogecoin? I sold my Bitcoin and I bought Dogecoin with it. It's it's just uh, I didn't sell it. I I, I uh, so when I invested in that, like I, I I was kind of okay. Like even if the market went down, because for me ultimately it's for a long term investment. But the thing with the uh, stocks and uh, crypto is like it doesn't have collateral. Like I love mm -hmm. precious metals, like gold. Uh, like my mom invested in gold, and uh, it has uh, like. Over the years, it has increased the value and mm -hmm. also real estate. There is collateral and uh, both precious metal and real estate, they're inflation hedge, right? Hedge mm -hmm. against inflation. Yep. And um, ultimately, there is collateral, right? Like sure. if sure. it, it doesn't matter, like the market is going down or up. If you hold it long enough, like it's going to appreciate. And also, you, you're not clearly losing anything because you're still like, physically you can hold it yeah yeah absolutely there's there's definitely i mean something that i would say as well for anybody that's looking to to get exposure in the the vast world of of uh, of crypto is to make sure that you're looking at coins and tokens and projects that have intrinsic value behind them something like dogecoin or something like shiba inu which were both coins that are kind of more or less just for jokes. Uh, there's not really any utility with those types of coins. And obviously there's opportunity. I mean, people made money off Doge. I made a good amount of money off Shiba Inu in, in, in 2021. I had a 
you know, ROI over the span of a, a year, which again, that that's, I mean, that, that's pretty good, but it's not something that you want to be looking for and, and anticipating and expecting with something like with, with something like crypto. So I always like to look for projects that are, that have intrinsic value, that are solving problems, that are being innovative and adding value to the space. Because as we continue to see mass adoption and a shift into some sort of a blockchain world over the next you know, decade or, or however long it takes, uh, there's definitely opportunity. It's, it's what I would compare to kind of the dot-com era. Uh, and it's kind of like the next level of the dot-com era because it's all being built online. Yeah, ultimately, like uh, as as you said, like uh, the, there is there will be a shift in the economy. In uh, it might not be in the next two years, but uh, in the next coming few years, there will mm-hmm. be shift in the economy and the monetary system, right? So ultimately, the next banking system is obviously like uh, um, blockchain, right? That's the next yeah. something digital or blockchain. That's uh, basically the next. Uh, what like next monetary system like people are looking at or people are uh, having a vision on uh, do you provide a consultation or a, like a course on like crypto like if someone wants to do that yeah absolutely absolutely so my my social media uh, pretty much across the board is donny dropout that's d-o-n-n-y-d-r-o-p-o-u-t and i have a, an immense amount of just free content that you guys can consume on the majority of social media platforms. But I do provide consultation. If, if people are looking to better understand the space, you can book through the, the link that's uh, in any of my social media bios. And, and uh, one thing that I'll say just, just before we, 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 uh, we close here is think, think about this. AI is really starting to be a thing. We're starting to see some of the different impersonations of what AI could do, whether it's visually or through audio, recreating a voice that sounds just like mine or yours or so on and so forth. One of the things that's cool with blockchain technology is that it actually can help to tame and facilitate AI online. If AI is looking to take over the internet, let's say, but it's a blockchain internet-based system that has basically such a high level of security and firewall that it's impenetrable. It doesn't matter if it's AI or human uh, human beings looking to, to take over or kind of infiltrate that space. Blockchain technology is something that could really serve as that that security and and can help us to better distinguish real from fake and what we're seeing online, whether it's AI, whether it's genuine uh, or, or not. So that's that's something that I, I heard uh, in, in New York earlier this year in one of the conferences that I sat in on. And I was like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. It's almost like another layer of security in the vast world and the already vulnerable world of the internet. For sure. Yeah. Lots to look forward to. Yeah. Thank you, Donnie. If someone wants to reach out to you, they 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 have they can reach out to you on social media, right? Exactly. Yeah, Donnie Dropout, D O N N Y D R O P O U T, on all social medias. Thank you so much, Donnie. It's amazing having you on. I'm, I'm looking forward to you bringing you on once you uh, once you have invested in your first property. I want yeah, to see. How we'll have to do a part two. We'll do a part two, and we'll we'll tell everybody how. There, it went. there will be definitely a Donnie part two coming up. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Rishma. Looking forward to part two.
Thank you for tuning into another episode of Real Estate with Reshma in Canada. If you are looking to purchase a home and wondering what you are qualifying for, you have a mortgage renewal coming up and you're looking for a second opinion. Maybe you are planning to do a refinance to pull out equity to buy another investment property. If you want to finance your flip project, we would love to help you fund, experience our complimentary budget planning and tailored solutions. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing.